It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 16th, 2018. My name is Phil Prostenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, find me online on Twitter at philiprr_omd. Today's episode of Locked On Magic is going to be all about Summer League. We'll get our uh, get some impressions from outside impressions on the Orlando Magic Summer League team from, from some people who were out in Las Vegas. I spoke to Preston Ellis of Orlando Pinstripe Post and the Bird Rights. Uh, he hosts the Do You Believe in Magic podcast as well as the Bird Calls podcast. And also Ali Cassell, who is the editor of the Bird Rights blog covering the New Orleans Pelicans. So we'll, I'll, I'll have my discussion with them coming up in a bit. I'll have my own recap of Summer League probably throughout this episode as well as on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. I'll give you my takeaways from Summer League and, and what I'm looking forward to here as we move into the slower part of the season. I'm not going to bother recapping uh, Friday's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was uh, it was a Summer League game. Uh, Magic actually started making made a few more shots, made a few shots, cut down a 16-point lead, had it tied. Uh, Deontay Graham? Deontay Graham? Um, Deontay Burton, sorry, uh, had uh, hit a jumper over Chance Comanche uh, as the buzzer expired, and that does it for Magic Summer League 2 and 3. That's all the recap you need, really, because the Magic didn't play anybody of real importance except for Troy Copain, but um, again, not not a lot to take from that final Summer League game, so I'm not going to talk too much about it more than I already have. So I'll do, I'll do my full recap of Summer League tomorrow, but for today, let's get into our conversation with Preston Ellis and Ali Cassell. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I'm joined now by Preston Ellis and Ali, Cass- Ali Cassell of the Bird Rights and, and the Bird Rights Podcast. Got you, they were out in Las Vegas for Summer League. Guys, how are you guys doing? Ali, why don't you start, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm missing Las Vegas a little bit now, but, you know, it was a long five days, but we had fun. We saw lots of people, Preston and also Kevin Berrios from the site. Uh, the three of us went out there. First time as a group, and uh, saw a lot of good basketball, Philip. You can't complain when you've got basketball in two different gyms going on at the same time for, what is it, roughly 10 hours of the day? Yeah, I've been, I went to Summer League last year and two years before that, and I feel like with Summer League, you, you get like two, three days of it, and then you're kind of over it, and like Vegas, if you're there, if you're in Vegas too long, you're you're probably there too long. You know when you're there too long, but once you leave, it's just like, now there's no NBA basketball going on. Now I'm not in Vegas. Like, I miss that. 
Yeah, definitely. I'll say it was my first trip and it was such a whirlwind. We got there on Saturday morning. We could have gotten there Friday. I think maybe next year uh, we'll investigate which one suits our our pleasures a bit better. But uh, I, I do agree with you, said Philip. At the time, like it was so fun just being in Vegas and focusing on basketball. But all the games that we missed that we were so excited to go to, the tournament games, it, it ends up that they ended up sitting most of the primary players anyway. So you don't feel like you really miss too much. So yeah, just that opening weekend is such a whirlwind. And then after that, I guess you just uh, head out to see Britney Spears in concert. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. You get the tables. Um, but uh, uh, I mean, you both. I, I. It sounds like this was both of your first summer league experience in Las Vegas. I know. I've. I've. I think I've talked about it a little bit. Um, but for those who've never been to NBA summer league, it, it really is a zoo. Um, but what's what's that what's that experience like? Like if, if you're if you're thinking of going to Vegas next next July for summer league, what 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 are you in store for? Well, uh, this this was my second trip actually, but okay. yeah, anybody that's going to be a you become a vet by the second trip. They plan ahead. Check out the schedule when your team's playing. Find a good hotel that's got close proximity to the arena, because uh, uh, we ended up staying in a really good one, the Hard Rock Cafe, which yep. is you know roughly what was it pressing like less than a mile from the it's arena. Like a so, ten minute walk. Yeah, so so it's a close walk. I mean, granted, it's 110 degree heat, and if you're wearing pants and you want to do some media festivities, you want to look nice wearing pants, you're, you're going to break in a little bit of a sweat. It's going to get a little hot, but, you know, you, you can't complain about it too much. But, no, the trick is to knowing when your team's playing and, of course, transportation to and from. What we did is we utilized Uber and Lyft. Thanks to Preston and Kevin, they had the app, so we got around that way. And just splitting costs. I mean, if you're going by yourself, expect to pay a little bit more than staying with a group, whether you're staying with people that you write with from the same site or you've just got friends. I think that makes for a more enjoyable experience um, than just going at it alone. But then again, maybe that is for some of the people. I'm not sure. And I'll, I'll just jump in here too. Um, first of all, a fantastic experience that I recommend to literally any sports fan, uh, casual or I guess extreme to the NBA. Uh, it's it's an event like any other. And sure, Philip, I'm, I'm sure you'll echo this. Just the amount of accessibility, the intimacy. Uh, I never had the privilege of going to the Orlando Summer League, which was famous for its intimacy. But just, you know, passing Adrian Wojnarowski in the hallways, you see all of your coaches and your general managers. Uh, they're, they're basically just an elbow's length apart from you. Um, seeing all these superstars sitting courtside across from you, in front of you, to the side of you. It, it really is an event like anything else. And when you see these young players, like for the Pelicans specifically, uh, Trayvon Blewett, these guys explode for the first time. You feel like you're you're there on the, on the ground floor of these players' careers, seeing it all develop for the first time, this Mitchell Robinson guy, Devin Robinson of the Wizards. Um, but, but like Ali said, I'll definitely echo that that the hotels on weekends are expensive if you want a more cost effective trip get there on monday and stay through thursday or to the conclusion of summer league because they precipitously drop from weekends to weekdays something that's two to four hundred dollars a night might be twenty to forty dollars a night if you just wait around till monday uh and yeah going with a group of friends is really fun because you know you can't spot everybody on your own and it's kind of like a celebrity event um so it's it's cool to have buddies to celebrate those moments take pictures with and then of course after the event uh you're going to be so hyped up you're going to want to go and hit the strip and it's good to do it with the crew Absolutely. It's definitely, definitely something to do. And there's, there's, so, there's so much to do in Vegas. It's, it's a great time to get there, but ostensibly you're there for basketball. Um, I know Preston, you were, I mean, you both obviously watched the Pelicans, um, but Preston, I know you were there uh, partially with Orlando Pinstripe Post. 
um, and and went to some of the Ma- went to some of the Magic's games. Uh, we all saw them on TV, but what what did we miss on TV? What did we miss from watching on TV that that maybe you saw live from 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 how these guys played? And this is not going to be a popular opinion, uh, Philip. I'm going to preface with that, and I know Ali's on board with me, and it's part of the reason why I reached out to him is because I I, <laughs> I dropped some of this on Orlando Pinstripe Post, and I, I I got beaten up pretty good for it. And what we wanted to refer to is we're we're not denigrating the 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 future, the upside, the potential of Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac is the story. He's got the the ringer. Jonathan Charks was standing right next to me when we were talking to him and Pat Delaney, and everybody wants to talk Jonathan Isaac, and for good reason. He's got all the measurables. He's got a beautiful looking jump shot and the most important thing that you can take away from summer league was his aggressiveness you want somebody with his potential his skill set to be aggressive and he certainly was that now with all that being said the negative aspect to this is the Orlando Magic are playing the exact same basketball they did in the 2017-18 season offensively of course is what I'm referring to Uh, a lack of awareness poor ball handling, not communicating on offense. Things change when Troy Calpain, uh, he just had an awareness about him, an almost coach on the floor type instinct. Even on Monday night against the Grizzlies, I think it was, the game was well in hand and you still had him standing courtside, shouting out assignments, communicating to the guys, getting them prepped to play. But as as, as far as Jonathan Isaac goes, and that's got to be the, the central storyline because we all we all are looking forward to and will see Mo Bamba progress throughout his rookie year. It's it's impossible to know what to expect at such an early stage. But just in terms of Jonathan Isaac, his ball handling, uh, driving into traffic when he has the option to either to either dish to a cutting player like a Melvin Frazier or kick it out to Rodas or uh, simply to pull up for a jumper. His mid-range jumper looks beautiful. Instead, he was just plowing into guys, losing handle, turnovers, that sort of thing. So defensively, he looked fantastic. I'm going to pass it over to Ali. It just looked like, as far as awareness goes on the offensive end of the game, it, it feels like he hasn't developed yet. And I also know that this is something that's drastically and dramatically going to change when Steve Clifford gets a hold of him. Yeah, Preston, you're absolutely right. I watched a few Magic games last year, and uh, he's definitely improved from that point where, you're right, it's the aggressiveness that you notice, first of all. But, the, the you know, his skills and his abilities still aren't there yet. Um, I feel like the story was uh, basically everybody's put him on a pedestal, right? And already kind of accoladed him as this could be a breakout season. They saw so many positive in Las Vegas. When honestly, I saw so many things that still need time to be worked on. A lot of development is still needed. Uh, Preston's already alluded to the ball handling. His decision-making really is non-existent. Um, When you're watching him come up the floor, for instance, in any kind of transition opportunities, he was totally missing wide-open guys or making the simple pass. Defensively, I thought he honestly looked almost a step slow at times. Um, I know he held his own against Triple J in Memphis, but you know what? His first two possessions against him, Triple J got the best of them, got to the free throw line both times simply because Isaac just, he didn't have the proper um, foot movement as well as the instincts to stay in front of him. And then, of course, there's so many other instances I can refer to. Uh, I think Preston's already referred to. Him driving down the middle of the lane, just getting too deep when he should have pulled up. Instead, he goes right into a double team and either gets a shot rejected or ends up a missed shot. And for a guy with his uh, measurables, his length, that should never happen. Um, again, I heard some people whispering in the stands about these comparisons of Kevin Durant, and I honestly don't see it. This guy's got a silky smooth jumper from the midrange that with his height is kind of comparable, but that's where the similarities end for me. Uh, so he's still got a long way, way to go. And I don't think it's honestly fair. That's the biggest thing. It's not fair to put all this 
all these comparisons, all these accolades, all, too fast on a guy that really hasn't proven himself yet. I mean, let's face it, he's coming off a season where he averaged, what, roughly around five, six points a game. And Durant, who was, I think, a year younger at age 19, averaged 20 points a game. So I just I just don't see it, guys. Um, again, this is not to take away from the future, as Preston's already said. I like his potential. But you know what? I was a little bit more flattered, uh, Philip, by Bamba. Uh, for instance, Mo coming into any kind of timeout, you saw he was the first one off the bench. He was racing over to give every one of his teammates a high five. He was the first one clapping when the timeouts or the huddles would break apart. He was probably the guy that when he wasn't in the game, he was closest to the coach and listening to what was being said. Now, this could all be just, you know, rookie kind of things as to where um, Jonathan went through this last year. So maybe, you know, it's old hat and he doesn't really need to be at the forefront of everything. But again, when you see Mo kind of leading in all these instances and Jonathan kind of following suit, you know, it gives me pause to thinking who honestly is the face of this franchise already. Everybody seemed to anoint Jonathan Isaac. When honestly, to me, it looked like Mo Bamba might just have more of the, you know, I don't want to say intangibles, but just everything. The overall package, it just looks shinier to me at this point in time. And Philip, yeah, if I, I, I sorry, if I, I just want to jump in because you were standing right next to me uh, last year. I want to say it was in March when Frank Vogel kept saying, hey, guys, we don't have one on one players. When these guys don't make the right basketball move and they just try to play one on one basketball, it usually doesn't end well for us. And that that's all that we're preaching is we just want to see the the next stage in the development of this game. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, I think I think that criticism is pretty fair. I think um, that the reaction for a lot of Magic fans was was from the first two games, from that game against Brooklyn and that game against uh, Memphis, and especially that game against Memphis because it was it was on ESPN two. It was a national TV game. Um, it was against a, a marquee opponent in Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, it, it felt like like a it, it just gave people a lot of hope, and everyone's holding on to those two games. And, you know, you had that Phoenix game, which was a little weird. And then, and then of course, Isaac and Bamba didn't play the last two games. So I think, I think your criticism is, is valid, that, that the Magic's big off problem in Summer League, and then even Jonathan Isaac's big problem is, is offense. I mean, I wrote about this late last week with, with, with some of the information where after, talking, after talking to you and listening to some of the interviews that you did, Preston, um, that Isaac really had a great Summer League, despite – not shooting the ball well. I mean, he shot only, what, 35% from the floor in three games, which small sample size, but um, it wasn't like Isaac was killer. He scored 20 points on 7 for 17 shooting in that first game. So I think your point about about Isaac trying to do a little too much is very valid. I also think the Magic kind of wanted him to do that on purpose because Isaac's a very selfless guy. Um, I think that he's someone that, uh, even at Florida State, um, where he was probably clearly the best player on that team, even with Dwayne Bacon there and, and Xavier Rathal Mays, um, he deferred to a lot of people. And that was my big criticism of Isaac when the Magic draft, when the Magic were scouting him and eventually drafted him. I was like, you know, the biggest problem I have with Isaac, he's got all the physical intangibles and skills that you want, but I just feel like he 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 prefers to kind of be a, a background player rather than the the guy, so to speak. And so I think what the Magic were hoping to get out of this, whether it was successful or not, whether he was efficient or not, they wanted him to be able to look for his own shot and play as if you're shooting the ball every time you touch, touch, touch a thing. Um, having said, having even said that, there were a few possessions, I think in the Phoenix game or the Memphis game, I forget which one, where Isaac had an open three-pointer and he immediately passed it to the next guy in the corner who had an even more open three-pointer. And that shot didn't go in and I probably would have preferred to see Isaac shoot that, shoot the first shot, shoot his shot because 
that's kind of what you wanted out of him this 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 summer league. But at the same time, that instinct to make the right pass, to make the right play, I think is there with an Isaac. And they just want to kind of coax it out with a little bit more of a, a um, not egocentric, but a little bit more of a, hey, go get your own too, dude. You're you're really good. I mean, I think they wanted to try and instill some confidence in him to, to be an offensive-minded player or more offensive-minded player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and like I said, I wanted to preface all this by saying that the aggressiveness is good. You want to see that. You want to see him have the confidence to try to take it off the dribble and drive from the perimeter. It's not necessarily that we want at this stage of his game, but he's also discovering who he is. He's going to make mistakes. Summer League is the right place to do it. It's, it's just like I said, you want to see more actions. You want to see the development, the evolution of an offense. And it's really a concern that carries on from the last regular season. And it wasn't just uh, Jonathan Isaac, who was responsible for this we saw a lot of it from melvin frazier uh who absentmindedly had a had a um a transition he he had a steal he had four steals i want to say it was against the suns uh 12 steals and 10 blocks he's running in the open floor and he just holds up underneath the rim giving deandre aiden enough time to come from behind and steal the ball away from wesley awundu gets an offensive rebound rather than distributing the ball move moving moving away from the ball he just kind of dribbles in place for about 15 seconds then he dishes it to jonathan isaac with four to five seconds left on the shot clock jonathan isaac not recognizing where the shot clock is gives it over i forget who the third guy was i want to say it was um I want to say it was Antonio Campbell, but anyway, the shot clock reads zero, you know, turnover violation. So definitely this is the time to make these mistakes. He's 20 years old. And like you said, the athleticism's there. It's going to build. I almost feel like we're protecting him because getting all this national attention from the ringer, from ESPN, uh, from all the guys at summer league, you just want to pump the brakes a little bit and be like, Hey guys, we still have to preach patience with this guy. The first thing that he needs to do is not try to drive to the basket over two to three defenders. The first thing he needs to learn to do is to set a pick you know to roll away from the ball things that we did see in that first game against Brooklyn that you mentioned was the pick and roll game I saw two different instances where it was executed that, that very four, well five pick and roll with Isaac and Bombo the, yeah that they, they only they only really did that in the Brooklyn game yeah it, but it's scary sorry, go ahead. it looks scary as hell yeah, definitely. So every, everything you're preaching is is spot on there. You just want to see more of that. You you don't want to see my my worst fear is that he continues just, you know, throwing himself into these defenders in the paint like Wesley Wundu did on multiple possessions. Those guys combined for eight turnovers on the I want to say the Monday night game. And I, I'm repeating myself, but you want to see uh, a consistent flow of the offense. You want to see a game plan and you want to see other guys put these guys into position where they can succeed, where they can get the ball at the most comfortable spots for them. We saw Mo Baba get the ball, um, his entry point, I want to say it was like at the three-point line. So he was backing down a, a defender from the three-point line. That's not going to be a comfortable position for him going forward. You want to get him closer to the basket or you want to get him faced up to his defender. So just simple stuff like that. And I'll let Ali expand on it because he does it a lot better than I do. Yeah, I think the biggest thing we got to need, need to point out right now is the fact that the Magic didn't do these young guys any favors by not having a legitimate point guard out there at the start of the game. Or Correct. or or legitimate it, shooters. I, I want to point that out. The, the, this Magic team shot, they must have shot less than 30% from beyond the arc for the entire week. They were terrible from three. It wasn't just the three-point shooting because they actually had a lot of open shots. For me, it's exactly what Preston was just alluding to. Where was Mo Bamba starting his offense? What was Jonathan Isaac and Wesley Awundu being asked to do? And that was to create off the dribble from the three-point arc. Um, and I don't think that's fair to any of these guys who are very limited. It is painfully obvious these guys need to really expand their offensive games. But to ask them to basically throw them into the fire uh, and ask them to do it on their own, instead of having a legitimate point guard out there for 48 minutes, 
I don't think it's a disservice to them, honestly, because it, it's going to wear on you. I saw Melvin Frazier Jr. couldn't have had a worse shooting uh, summer league. And, you know, I could just list basically every single name. I, guys, did anybody even break 50 percent that wasn't a big man? I mean, it, it, it's just it was is poor basketball. And um, I think that people need to realize that when you, you're a young, maturing talent, you need to be protected as much as possible. So. Yes, I understand why they uh, started Briscoe, but I would much prefer to see Troy Calpain out there, who, honestly, both times in both the games we saw, Preston, both times he came in right at the end of the first quarter, second quarter, it was amazing how much different the offense looked afterwards and where the shots came from and where the catches came from. And I feel like that's the next step that Orlando needs to take with these young guys that they're relying on to build for the core, not just throw them in the fire, which, again, is understandable. I understand your take as well, Philip. You've got to sometimes just push them off the deep end, see if they can swim or not, how much they can swim. But, you know, I just wasn't impressed by the overall philosophy. And to me, that is what basically stems uh, most of this criticism where we saw, you know, Isaac kind of display how far he still is uh, in being a legitimate star in this league. And as for the other guys being legitimate role players in this league. So I'm not sure how you feel about it. I don't know how you can grade them for their summer league performance when, in fact, you kind of had an incomplete puzzle to begin with. You know what I mean? So it's great that, hey, these guys can run real fast or they can, you know, team up and put their arms up and they're great defensively. But really, what did you do for all their weaknesses? And I feel like, again, that's where a disservice was done to these guys. They threw them, you know, off the deep end, uh, made them walk the plank. And you know what? Now we're talking about all these low uh, field goal shooting percentages, and that can't be a helpful confidence booster for these guys for the rest of the summer, I feel. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel, I'm like kind of torn on that because I agree with you, Ali, that, that this was a really, uh, for, for, at least for the Magic, the, their summer league roster was really imperfect. Um, they didn't have a lot of shooting. I mean, that, that initial starting lineup was what, Briscoe, Frazier, Iwundu, Isaac, and Bamba. Bamba might be the best three-point shooter in that group, and that's not a good thing. Um, so I, I agree that I, I, I kind of think this group was set up not to fail on offense, but it wasn't set up very well offensively. And, and you know, I, I think it's a good way to transition maybe to talk a little bit about Bamba, um, but um, I, I kind of felt like the goal for the Magic this summer league was to establish a defensive identity, and offense was whatever, who cares? Um, I, I thought a lot of their points came off of creating turnovers and getting out in transition. Um, they weren't going to score a lot in the half court. They weren't going to hit a lot of threes. Um, they were just trying to devastate you defensively with Isaac and Bamba kind of anchoring anchoring the team. And, and, and that Brooklyn game, I think, was a really good example of that, uh, where you could tell when Bamba and Isaac were on the floor together, Brooklyn wasn't going to score very much. They, they just weren't going to do very much offensively. Um, when they when they came out of the game, that's when Brooklyn made it interesting. It was what a 11, 12 point game, and then they cut it down to like four late in that fourth quarter. And Isaac and Bamba kind of came back in to to seal to seal that game off. Um, I think that was more the goal that the Magic had in this summer league was 
let's focus on establishing a defensive identity, kind of the, the seedlings of what we're going to do in, in the fall, um, build up the defense, make defense the priority this week, uh, and then we'll worry about offense later. Because, I mean, this is a Magic team that's going to be offensively challenged anyway. I think they're, they're going to bet on defense as a way to generate some easy points and generate some energy for this, for this group. Um, Preston, on, on that note, um, what did you? I know Ollie talked a little bit about about Mobamba before, um, but what did you see from Mobamba out there uh, for the Magic? I was incredibly impressed. I I just thought poise, control, a guy who looked confident, looked intelligent, had great open court awareness, and like we said, he wasn't he wasn't asked to do what Jonathan Isaac was was done. So Jonathan Isaac was kind of put into a position to to go out there, like Ali said, into the deep end and to not to not to fail, but he wasn't in a position to utilize his strong suits. I thought Mo Bamba was for the most part. And I thought like he had great footwork, um, open court awareness, just guys dishing. He he got it to guys underneath the basket, even when he was put in a position that wasn't advantageous to his frame. Uh, he still has to put on a lot of size. You saw DeAndre Ayton kind of kind of push him around underneath the boards. But when he got the ball up around the, the three-point line or the perimeter, if he He's not knocking down the shot, which he had a very nice looking stroke, looked extremely confident taking it. And it went in seemingly every single time he shot over 50% over summer league in the the four games that I saw. And he just, he would, he would find Melvin Frazier underneath the basket. If he got stopped up at that 15 point uh, foot line with somebody in his face and defensively, like you said, he, he managed his rotations Uh, for the most part. He, he played the pick and roll. Well, keeping his hands in front of his guys, like you said, guys are going to have difficulty navigating their way around him. He's got some nice foot speed to his game and teams this season are going to have to beat the magic on the perimeter. And with, Wesley Wundu and Melvin Frazier out there was kind of like a steel curtain at times. Uh, it was incredible to watch Wesley Wundu thwart two guys uh, in in tandem. These guys set a pick to to get matched onto Wesley Wundu. He stoned the first guy, sent it to the second guy. This was against the Grizzlies. I can't remember the, the guy specifically, but then he stoned the second guy and they ran out seemingly the entire shot clock just trying to get around him and Mo Bamba of course gives you a lot of those things he's gonna he's gonna threaten a lot of guys out of the paint he's gonna make teams become jump shooting teams which sadly in 2018 is is something that is expanding shooting more three-pointers than ever before but he gives you everything that you want and like Ali said he's he, he seems to be a willing listener to what the coach has to say he's he's a guy early on in the game Jonathan Isaac picked up a foul against uh Triple J by putting his hands in his chest they were doing a lot of hand fighting and Bama came over and pat him on the butt and he's like hey man keep your hands up you know just just that awareness just that faculty that confidence the brain power to know exactly not only to play the game of basketball but how these refs are going to officiate the game as well and this was only his third summer league game so it just seems like he's putting it all together rather quickly and I'm interested I'm interested to see what part of his game can evolve as he gets more freedom and more flexibility to kind of manage an offensive set or to to take ownership over the defense and kind of quarterback it, what what he's capable of. We only have a, a small sample size at this point, but I have to say I came away very impressed. Yeah, and to add the Preston, with a couple of things you need to note also is the fact that his physicality for, you know, his lack of size was super impressive and his motor. It rang so much higher for me than Isaac's. Um, and, and that motor was a question mark for him coming into the draft, too, which is exactly. And, no, and, and that was the first thing I looked at. And you know what? He was nonstop everywhere on the court. Um, so I was kind of surprised to see he only averaged right around 20 minutes a game. Maybe that's why his motor stayed in a higher, you know, higher level than others, like, for instance, Isaac's. But I, I was thoroughly impressed by that. And that's what you need for a building block on a guy with his size and his athletic potential. 
if he's got that willingness to work and he's not afraid to bang despite he was, what was he, 50 pounds lighter than eight? And I'm not sure, but he was right. To, he was trying to push, trying to shove, trying to box him out every single time. And that, that thoroughly impressed me. So I know he didn't attempt a single free throw um, during the entire summer league, but that's fine. When you look at his per like 36 minute numbers, it just really does jump off the page. You know, 16 points, 10 rebounds a game, over four blocks a game. Um, th- th- this kid's got it. And as we've just been talking about, he's only played, what, three games against NBA competition, and he's already exhibiting a lot of the good signs you want for a guy that has a lot of developing to do. Yeah, and I, and I think his weaknesses are his weaknesses. Like, obviously, he needs to put on muscle. Um, uh, you want to see him roll a little bit more to the basket, but I think that'll come as he adds more weight. Um, he ran the floor really, really well, too, which I think was um, you know, mm-hmm. expected from him because he's, he is a great athlete for a guy his size. But um, still, like when you see when you see a seven foot, you know, seven footer with the wingspan that he has running down the middle of the lane, you just you don't want to be in the way. Um, I'll, I'll put it that way um, uh, to, to kind of close this out. You all, both of you have hinted at, at this. It's a big issue facing the magic that point guard problem. Um, obviously, Orlando's got DJ Augustin, Jerry and Grant, and now Isaiah Briscoe um, playing point guard. So, you know, maybe DJ Augustin adds a little bit of stability to, 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 to the lineups and, and, and to, to play as, as a starting point guard for, for the Magic. But um, the Magic signed Isaiah Briscoe right before the beginning of the Summer League. Um, it didn't seem like you guys were particularly enamored with him. What, what did, uh, Ali, what did you see from, from Isaiah Briscoe? Um, as as a prospect and as a potential player for the Magic who might crack this rotation? He seems like a decent – he's got a decent chance to be a, um, a combo guard. But as a lead guard, as a point guard, I didn't like his vision one bit. He did a lot of dribbling, a lot of dancing around as to where you could almost tell he made up his mind and he's just going to go ahead and try and score himself, whether it was on a jumper, pull-up jumper, or taking it all the way to the rim. Um, he, he like essentially he would give up on plays and just go ahead and go get his own as to where Troy Calpain came in. He immediately ran a pick and roll with uh, Byron M- Mullins, who we all know is really not meant for the NBA. But you know what? He seemed to get shots for the other guys every single time they came off that pick and roll, especially against Memphis. Um, so I feel like just comparing him to Calpain, Briscoe obviously showed he doesn't have the chops, the wherewithal to be a starting point guard. And I don't think the Magic should uh, push him into that role either. Uh, th- this guy, I think he averaged was around two assists or something like that per game. And it, it, it really does show to me the context was there because he, he didn't look to make an extra pass. He didn't look to see where cutters were or when he drove, what man was or what defender, excuse me, was coming over to possibly double him when he would make a drive into the paint. He didn't seem to show any kind of awareness in that respect. So again, that's why I'm just I don't understand what the magic we're doing <laughs> with this summer league. You know, they put a guy who's not even a point guard starting at point guard with a bunch of youngsters who need that direction, need that floor general. As you mentioned, Mo Bamba was kind of lost at times. You need somebody to tell him where to be then. And they just simply didn't do that. So I feel like it's it was just a completely inaccurate gauge of these guys potentials simply because they were, it wasn't just a, it wasn't a good fit. It wasn't a good NBA fit for a team to be filled with these parts that need um, direction and they didn't get any. And I think a lot of those were criticisms that Briscoe had coming out of Kentucky where he wasn't the lead guard at Kentucky and he kind of got pushed or pushed out, out of there a little bit because of all the talent Kentucky brings in. But I think the criticism for him, from him or for him was that he always looked for his own shot. He wanted to score. That was all he really did. And, and I think he did okay with that for the Magic. But I agree 
Um, he didn't really look like a natural point guard, and, and Copain yeah. is, is a converted point guard. Yeah, so but, tried, but for instance, you've got guys off the ball that weren't setting great screens. Their yeah. guys. So he didn't have the passing lanes. Our first few minutes watching him, I think he forced – or there was a couple turnovers that were on him simply because he couldn't complete a pass. So then you saw him kind of get a little upset, and he would then start looking for a shot. So that's what, that's what I mean by everything Preston and I have mentioned. It was just a breakdown from the start because the, the parts didn't match. Preston, it, with that with that being the case, then and 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 if if point guard was such a huge problem for the summer league roster, I mean DJ Augustin is a solid point guard. I think most of us consider him a good backup. But is this going to be a problem for the Magic to get the most out of their best players when the regular season comes around? If you know DJ Augustin is your starting point guard and you've got you know Jerry and Grant who isn't quite a pure point guard either, and Isaiah Briscoe as your other options. Yeah, for all the criticisms we're giving these guys, we're we're really more uh, speaking specifically to to where their abilities are in in uh, by virtue of what their development is at this phase of the game. So you really want somebody who can take that ownership away from them, somebody who's confident, can crash the basket, can create their own shot. Obviously, we were all enamored with Isaiah Thomas because he hits all the check marks. You don't need to win games this season. The Magic are building towards a future that looks very bright at this point, and you just need somebody who can manage and and put these guys in the right position to succeed and just take pressure off of them. And as good as DJ Augustin has been for the Magic and last year, as he's he's a stable point guard, but he's not the guy who is capable of doing that. He's not a guy who's capable of collapsing a defense and finding an open shooter on the wing like an Aaron Gordon or an Evan Fournier. I'm, I'm afraid at this point we're going to see a lot more of the same offensive basketball that we saw last year. These, these guys like Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac who have the athletic capability but maybe aren't at the stage in their development where they can go and get their own shot like you would see in a game six of a Western Conference final. We don't want to see that kind of basketball at this point in the development of the Orlando Magic. And I don't think they're well-equipped at the point guard position right now to do that. And there are some guys available. If you want to go into the the bargain bin, Tyrone Wallace of the Los Angeles Clippers is restricted. They likely wouldn't match if the Magic used the remainder of their mid-level. Of course, Mios Teodosic is probably going to become available. They are stocked at guard, like I just said, um, over in Los Angeles. And then in Washington, Thomas Sanoransky at this point in time is probably a fourth, fifth guard maybe. So I think it's incredibly advantageous to Jeff Wellman, to John Hammond, to go out and just lock this down. These Thomas Sadoransky is not going to be the difference between 30 and 45 wins, but he is going to bridge the gap. He's going to give confidence to your younger players and put them in a position to, to succeed. And most importantly, take the pressure off of them. And that's what you want to do at this stage in their careers. And I don't think that's something that Augustine and Briscoe and Jerry and Grant are capable of doing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. definitely it, – oh, sorry, go ahead, Ali. No, I was just going to say I, I absolutely love that idea. I would love to see you guys trade for Milos Teodosic. It doesn't sound like he's really got a future home in the Clippers, so why not bring a guy like him in? Why not take a chance on a Tyler Eulis or maybe a Tim Frazier? Somebody that is truly a floor general first at heart. That's all I wanted to add. Yeah, I I, I think that would be a good idea too. I mean, I, I'll i admit I, I thought the Isaiah Thomas idea would have been a good idea. I thought he would have put a lot of people – into the into the right roles because he can be the pivot that everyone kind of orbits around and and makes everyone else better and I think that's really what's most important at that point guard position right now is is Tato which I think would do that too uh, get someone that will make everyone else better um, it, it it feels like Orlando's focus right now is is wholly on the defensive end and and you know I, I think that echoes a lot of things that the Magic have 
said in the past that didn't really quite work out. And so, um, you know, I, I think I think this management group has a little bit more leash than that did at that time. But um, it, hears, it feels like we're hearing a lot of the same things. Uh, and, and we'll see if it succeeds this time. But I think that's a debate for another day. Um, Ali and Preston, thank you guys for sharing uh, your observations and your experience in Vegas. Um, most important question I have to ask, I didn't ask this at the top. Did you guys come out winners? Did you beat the house? We didn't gamble much, buddy, but when we, when I <laughs> then you won. Dollars, then you won. Kevin, Kevin turned it into $50 for me, so I'm happy. Yeah, I spent all my money on alcohol. <laughs> and I think I think you guys did beat the house then. Um, yes, I, I I think I walked I walked away winner last time I was in Vegas. Hit the hit the craps table and hit hit a nice streak. So uh, I'm I'm hoping to to retire, but I probably won't because uh, I do I I and craps is nerve wracking, but it's 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 fun once you once you know how to play it. Um, guys, uh, let everyone know where they can where they can find you on on the Twitterverse Twitterverse. Uh, Ollie, why don't why don't you start? Sure, you can just find me at my name, Ollie Cosell on uh twitter and of course anything associated with the bird rights or the bird rights podcast for those of you who don't know how to spell ollie our starbucks uh what do you call him barista spelled it h-o-l-y <laughs> <laughs> so it's o-l-e-h-k-o-s-e-l and you can follow me at preston ellis of course our handle is at the bird rights and our podcast is the bird calls and we'd appreciate any transfers i know you guys are all in the southeast we're kind of in the same neighborhood so when orlando comes out of the gate at 10 and 18 why don't you guys uh uh turn the turn the channel over to anthony davis and the new orleans pelicans uh definitely definitely one of my favorite league pass teams especially with how they played during the playoffs um ollie and preston thanks again for sharing your vegas experience with us and, and your thoughts on on the summer magic and uh we'll definitely do this again sometime soon Definitely give Preston and Ollie a listen on the Bird Calls podcast, as well as a follow over at the Bird Rights. And of course, Preston Ellis uh, helping out with Orlando Pinstripe Post and the Do You Believe in Magic podcast. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Magic. Hope that was some good information for you. Uh, don't forget, I did an Ask Me Anything on the Orlando Magic subreddit page uh, on Saturday. I am still fishing through the comments, and so if you have any lingering questions, you can send them my way on that Ask Me Anything page. I will probably still answer them because I'm an addict for answering questions. And the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag will be opening up very shortly, too, so send me your questions that way on Twitter at omagicdaily or by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. I may steal a few questions from the subreddit page as well as I write my mailbag. That'll probably be this weekend or next weekend. So we got a long summer to get through, so I'm going to try and bank as much content as I can. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, so be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating as well if you would like. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including my five takeaways from the Orlando Magic Summer League experience, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode for Orlando Magic and Locked on Magic. This For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.